Thanks for uh, being a part of our family special day today with that. That was uh, awesome. Never thought I'd get to dedicate my own grandbaby. That's kind of kind of a cool thing. I got to tell you, as we read the Bible, I mean, let me just preface this by saying <clears throat> sometimes um, we come into Christmas and I'm excited about all this and the decorations and I love when we get our sanctuary all decorated up and all that. But there, there is a struggle that I always have every year <clears throat> because you guys know the stories, right? I mean, the Christmas story never changes. Oh, the baby wasn't born. You know, it doesn't happen that way. Oh, the wise men got lost. You know, no, the star didn't appear. No, doesn't, it, you guys know all the stories. And so when I come into Christmas especially, everybody kind of knows the stories and how they go. So when I come into it, um, I am constantly asking God, okay, you got to give me something fresh because uh, we need to see this with fresh eyes. Otherwise, it's just going to be tradition. I mean, we know the characters of the Christmas story. We could, we could probably, you guys could probably tell the story and I could just sit down, right? We, we know all that. So I come into Christmas saying, God, speak to us in a fresh way. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I, I, I want you to ask God this season for the next four weeks, God, speak to me in a fresh way so that I, that I don't just hear the old stories, but I hear your voice through these stories. And I believe that he can do that. You know, one of the things that I, as I was asking this and praying this for the last couple of weeks, the, something that I realized, and you may know this already, but it really grabbed my attention, um, I realize that God uses ordinary people. Have you noticed that when you read through the Bible? I mean, sometimes we have a tendency to think that, um, you know, these people are so great and grand and the heroes of the faith and all. And yet, when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of their story, you begin to realize they're just ordinary people like you, you and I are. Um, and, and the only reason that we know about them is that God did something through them, and then he recorded it, right? Otherwise, none of us would know about Abraham and Sarah. I mean, none of us would know about who we're going to talk about today, this girl named Mary. We wouldn't, we wouldn't because God chose to do something through them. That's the only reason we know who they are. So these are ordinary people and here's the thing that grabbed me. This, in the past and even today, God continues, God uses ordinary people, just like you and me, to accomplish his plan. And I think that's the first of the fill-ins on the, on the outline. Hopefully you're going to use that today and we'll walk through it. It's a pretty short outline. God is not waiting for you to learn something or do something, um, become something. God is looking for ordinary people just like you and me, right now, as we are, he's wanting to get us involved in his plan, in doing what he wants to do. I, I want you to turn to somebody near, near you and just tell them, you look like an ordinary person. Would you just tell them that? I mean, sorry, but you look like an ordinary person. And here's the kicker, tell them. So that means God wants to use you. Come on, tell them that. God wants to use you. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about that, that God wants to use me because if, if we realize this, if we realize that God can use ordinary people like you and like me, then we realize that God has a purpose for my life. And that, to me, is very meaningful. That God has a purpose for your life, for my life. 
I think a lot of the times we fail to realize that. I think there are a lot of people around us at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, in our families that fail to realize that they have, there's purpose in their life. They, they have a purpose. God has a purpose for every one of us. God has a purpose for my life. Come on, say it with me. God has a purpose for my life. He really does. See, you have purpose. And, and possibly for some of us in this room today, or maybe somebody listening to this podcast, it, it, that, is, that is breakthrough for you to realize that you have purpose, that you're not just going through the routine of life day after day after day, and sometimes it feels like that. Anybody else like me in that? It feels like that. You have purpose. Um, I think this is a gift that God gives us. I think it's a gift that God shows us through the Christmas story. So to me, it's so evident in the Christmas story, especially in Mary's story. When she first appears, I mean, think about this. When Mary first appears, she's center stage with an angel. We don't even get a backstory really on Mary, right? I mean, you know, you watch a movie and you get a backstory on the main characters. How many of you would agree Mary's a pretty main character in this story and you don't get a, a backstory hardly at all um, with her, it just says God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Boom, there she is. And it says that Mary was from Nazareth, and you say, well, where's that? All I can say is it was really insignificant. It was an insignificant blue-collar town, little village. But here's the important part, verse 47, or 37, 27, here, I'll get it right here. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, we use that word engaged in the English language, but in Hebrew marriages, it was far more involved. You may know that there are two stages of Hebrew marriages, the betrothal and the actual wedding ceremony. And the way that the betrothal took place is in the presence of witnesses, the groom would announce his intentions that he wants to marry um, this girl, then they, he would sip from a cup of wine and he would offer the cup to the bride, and if she sipped from the cup, that was the yes, right? And, and so she was entering into this covenant with him, and so an agreement would be made between the two families. A dowry would be paid by the groom to the bride's father, to be honest, not only to handle a lot of the wedding expenses, but also as insurance in case the guy flaked out and didn't show up. The family still kept the dowry, the money. Um, they, they were now committed to each other through this betrothal, even though an actual ceremony and even though physical intimacy hadn't yet taken place, they were considered legally married. Huh. So um, to end the covenant that they had started, a legal divorce would be required, even though they hadn't had a ceremony yet. And if the prospective groom died the bride-to-be would be considered a widow. That's how legally binding everything was in a relationship that now Mary and Joseph were involved in. They were engaged, planning their future together. And then all of a sudden, this angel comes with this message from God. Look what angel Gabriel says. He appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord 
is with you. Now that we know this story, so we read this and go, blah, blah, blah. I can almost hear Linus. If you know the Charlie Brown you know, movie, you can just hear Linus saying these words. But for, for her, this was huge. T- to be honest, for the nation of Israel, this was huge. I mean, there, there's a point in your Bible that um, is kind of a separation point. It's the, the Hebrew scriptures, which we as Christians, we call the Old Testament. And then there's the New Testament. And, and the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. And then the New Testament picks up with the book of, anybody know? Matthew, right? And we're looking at, at Luke. So it's, it's right there. And, and there's this gap of over 400 years between when God still is speaking to the people of Israel through the prophet of Malachi in the Old Testament and 400 years passes before this angel shows up and speaks to Mary. 400 years has passed since God last spoke to his people. No one expected a message from God. I'm telling you right now, no one was listening especially a teenage girl. Most researchers believe she was about 14 or 15 years old. Look what it says in verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She was very confused. I mean, she she was young. She was poor. She was a female. In that culture, that was big. All these characteristics would have made her seem unusable by God. Most of the people in her day would see her as unusable, that God would never show up and speak to her. And so she had to be asking the question, why would God choose to speak to me? He could have chosen anyone else. The angel addresses Mary's feelings. What he says, don't be afraid, she was, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. In in the original text, this phrase in the Greek suggests this unique presence, this unique, different power that has purpose, that has a plan. And not until the next words did Mary have any clue why she was chosen. Up to this point, everything was okay. Well, kind of. I mean, this angel, an angel appeared. I don't know how you would be if an angel appeared to you today, but this angel out of the blue appears to her and starts talking to her and says, you are favored. You are chosen, Mary. Uses her name. So everything is kind of okay, and then this is what he says. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the Most High. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Back it up a minute. I'm engaged. And and (laughs) this is... This is way too big for me to take in. You're telling me that I'm, I'm going to get pregnant and I'm going to give birth, not, not just to any son, but the son of the most high God. And, and, and I'm supposed to name him Jesus. I love that line, name him Jesus. It's the first proclamation of Jesus' personal name in the New Testament. Since the beginning of time, it's Jesus. And then we see God's intent. I mean, there's this 
bigger plan even than Mary, no name, insignificant teenage Mary having a baby. There's even a bigger plan than that. Look what the angel says. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So, so what this is, is Messiah language. This is, this is God's promised one coming to earth, and he's telling Mary, you're going to be his mom. How would, how would you respond to that? I mean, would you be a little overwhelmed? I mean, the, not just having a baby, that, that's, that's a lot to take in right there, but then to be told that you're going to not only have a baby, you're going to have God's son, the Messiah. Mary asked the angel, question, Mr. Angel, <laughs> um, sir, angel, sir, um, how is this going to happen? Okay, here we, here we come in with the how, right? How, how is this going to happen? Because, why? why? Why is the because? Help me out. I am a virgin. So physic, physically, physiologically, how's this going to happen? I have not been with a man. How can I possibly conceive and give birth? The thing that I want you to see in this is she believes what the angel is saying is going to happen. She just doesn't understand the how. Right? Some people, they, they think that this is a question of doubt. No, no, no. She believes the what. She's just saying, how? I'm a virgin. How? How? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. The angel is saying the pregnancy, it's going to be through divine influence. The Holy Spirit has the power to make things happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will become pregnant. God had a plan and God wanted to use Mary. And yet... Everything about God's plan depends on Mary's response. You see this? Do you remember the angel told Mary, don't be afraid? Do you know why he told her to not be afraid? Because he knew that her life was going to be turned upside down. You, you have no idea, Mary, what's coming your way. Don't be afraid. She was being called by God for a purpose. But Mary, Mary knew that if she said yes to God, her relationship with, with, with her family would never be the same. She knew her relationship with Joseph could possibly change. Mary had a choice to make, and this is the part that I want you to get today. God gives me a choice to be involved in his plan. He gives you a choice. You know why he gives you a choice? Because his plan will completely turn your life upside down. So often, so often people think, well, I'll just come to Jesus 
and I'll start following God and everything will fall into place and it'll become so nice and so easy and so comfortable. And you guys have heard the quote so many times that safest place to be is in the center of God's will. But it doesn't mean that there isn't disruptions, specifically disruptions to your plan and my plan. Anybody else have plans for their life like I do? Am I the only one in the room that does? I mean, I, 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 I've got plans. I, I, I know where I want to go and what I want to do and what I want to experience. And I don't know how I'm going to get there and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? All those kinds of things. But there are things that I want to do in my life. And God comes along and he does this even after we come into a relationship with him. He comes along and he goes, do you want to be a part of my plan? Do you want to experience what I want to do? And I'm like, yes, let's go. And God says, okay, but then... What about your plan? It's, it's going to be disruptive. Hmm. See, God's plan always disrupts my life. That's something we don't realize. Always. Say that word with me. Always. Turn to the person next to you and tell them always. It always happens. It does. It always happens. God's plan always disrupts my life. We say we want God's plan in our life, but we never expect him to unsettle our lives. We never expect him to disrupt. Think about how God disrupted Mary's privacy. Some of us are private people. Some of us, we, we, don't, want, we don't want people too close. And so, you know, we don't really physically do that, but we kind of do that, right? Where it's like, oh, no, 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 you're good. I need my space. You're good right there. Just don't, don't move. You know, oh, no, no, don't, don't get too close. Just right there, right there, right? Think about Mary. Huh. I mean, um, everyone would know she's pregnant. Right, Shannon? Yeah. Right? I mean, think about it. And everyone would know she's pregnant. Uh-oh. And not married. Hmm. No one's going to believe this story. Well, an angel appeared. Mm, yeah. Mm, that's good, Mary. You keep believing that. An angel talked to me and told me that, mm, and, and God got you pregnant. Mm, mm. No one's going to believe that story. Her privacy has been disrupted. Think about how God disrupted Mary's security. What will happen when all this comes out? How am I going to explain this to my family? What will others think? How will this affect my future? What will Joseph say? Will Joseph leave me? What's going to happen? Think about how God disrupted Mary's control. Oh, no, don't talk about control, because I know a lot of control freaks in this room. Control. Mary's control. Mary is no longer in control of the plan. God is disrupting your control. Everything is planned out, going well. She's got her dreams in place. Everything's taking place. And now everything's changing. And I can't control it. It's all out of my control. Do you like to be in control of things that's happening in your life? Do you like to know exactly what's going to happen in your life? You know, Mary could have easily responded. It's too hard. It's too much. Too complicated. It's going to disrupt my, my life too much. No, I've got my plans set. I... What if 
What if that was her response? You say, well, God is God, and he's probably going to pick somebody else. Yeah, that's possibly true. I don't know. But do you see that he gave her a choice? Hmm. Look what Mary says. I am the Lord's servant. Circle that word. We're going to come back to that word in just a minute. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The last part is the part that gets me. We're going to come back to the servant idea, but the last part is the part that gets me. May everything you said come true. I would have been more like, can a little bit of what you said come true, and then let's do it this way. Right? But she's saying, everything that you've said, I'm open to everything that you're saying to me. I am the Lord's servant. Without any assurance that anyone would ever understand, please get this, we know the story, and we go, oh, it's fine, Mary, you're fine, you'll be fine. It'll all work out. Joseph will think about leaving you, and then an angel will appear in a dream, and then he'll come back to you, and it'll be a Hallmark movie, and you'll just fall in love, and kissy, 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 and everything will be fine, right? Because we know the story. But Mary doesn't know the story, And she hasn't faced pregnancy yet. Mary willingly surrenders to all that God has for her before anything took place. In spite of embarrassment, in spite of suspicion and misunderstandings, Mary says, I let go of my life and I put it in your hands. Man, she lets God disrupt her life. She only asks one question, the how question. How's it going to happen? And, and they give, you know, the angel gives her an answer, and she's like, okay, I'm good. I am the Lord's servant, is what she said. Right? Remember I had you circle that word? Interesting word. Comes from the Greek word doulos. Doulos refers to a servant who voluntarily places himself or herself in submission to a master's will in total disregard to their own wishes or desires. A servant who says, I surrender my life completely to you, willingly, voluntarily. Wow. That's what Mary was saying. I give you my life. Like the song we sang earlier. Mary says, God, whatever you want, I surrender. Get this down. Being involved in God's plan requires my surrender. He gives you a choice, but it requires your surrender. I think this is the reason God chose Mary. I'll be honest with you. I think Mary was willing, and God saw that, and he chose her. No matter how perplexing or disturbing or disruptive things would be, even though she didn't fully understand everything, even though she didn't fully know everything, Mary was willing to surrender everything in her life to accomplish God's plan. And Mary knew that God was doing something big. I mean, don't, don't fail to see this here. Mary, Mary was realizing that this is not just me and a baby being born. This is something big. This is a bigger plan. Because a few days later, after talking to her cousin Elizabeth, Mary responds this way. Take a look. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. 
And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. And then look at how she shifts the focus from herself to her people. He shows, God shows mercy from generation to generation for all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has helped his servant Israel. She's talking about her nation, her people, her tribe. He has helped his servant Israel. Israel and remembered to be merciful for he, God, made this promise to our ancestors. She's saying, this is, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than us. God is fulfilling his promise to my people and he's giving me a chance to be involved in his plan. And I'm in. How does that apply to us? Is, is God wanting to reach your family, your coworker, your boss, your neighbors, your extended family? Is God wanting to use you? Because he's got a bigger plan, but he's wanting to use you. And he's saying, are you in? Are you in? Matthew 1, you can read Joseph's response, and I already gave it to you a little bit. But right in the middle of Joseph's response, the, the writer Matthew includes some amazing text. And I wanted to highlight this as we wrap off today. The, the writer Matthew gives us a big picture look at what God is actually doing. So, so Mary was realizing this is bigger than just me. And the writer Matthew during Joseph's whole thing is saying, guess what? This is bigger than Joseph. This is huge. Look at what the, the writer writes. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. All of what occurred? Everything that we have read. All the conversation that Gabriel had with Mary, the, the conversation that the angel has with Joseph in a dream that we, we haven't got, but uh, we haven't read today, but you can read on your own in Matthew 1. All of this takes place. All of this precursor to the Christmas story and nativity takes place with Mary and Joseph and an angel. All of this occurs. The virgin being told she would be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Mary surrendering to God's plan. Joseph dealing with the news. The writer connects the birth of Jesus as a fulfillment of the promise of God given by the prophet Isaiah over 700 years before that time. Look what it says. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. The virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, read that last part with me, God is with us. Huh? The virgin will conceive. Who is this virgin that Isaiah was talking about 600 years ago, saying a virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and they will call him Emmanuel? Who is this virgin? Help me out. Mary. Mary. Mary was chosen to be the mother of God's son because Mary was willing to surrender everything to submit her life to God's plan. And when she did that, Mary found out something 
that some of us know, the Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Hmm. I believe that. I believe that God will fulfill his purpose in your life, for your life, if you respond to him, if you choose to be involved, if you surrender. So our takeaway is two questions. Get this one down. First off, is God asking me to get involved in what he's doing? Now, I want to contextualize that to where you are in life. Is God doing something in your job? Is God doing something in your marriage? Is God doing something in your family, in your school, with your friends? Is God doing something in your life, around your life? And you may know that God is doing something. Maybe, maybe you're picking up on signs and indicators and you're saying, you know, I think God might be at work in this. I think God might be working on this person's life. I think God might be moving in this direction in my job. I think God might be doing something here. Maybe you don't know. I mean, maybe you're completely clueless to it, but God, I believe God is always working. If we are followers of Jesus, God is working in our lives. And, and the question that God is asking you is, do you want to get involved? Or do you want to just sit and watch? Do you want to get involved in what he's doing? See, today, God still asks us that question. He comes into our life, and right in the middle of our lives, he has a way of suddenly just stopping us and getting our attention. And, and he comes in and he, he says, do you want to get involved? Now, I understand it's going to turn things upside down in your life. I mean, you've you got to understand that in order to get involved, it, it may seem unbelievable and impossible, and it certainly is not going to make sense to you. But maybe, maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe, maybe he's been speaking to you for a while, and he's asking you, get involved. Get involved in what I'm doing in that person's life that you know. Get involved in what I'm doing at your job. Get involved in what I'm doing in your family. Get involved. Don't just watch. Don't just hope. Don't just pray. Listen, sometimes we are the answer to our own prayers. God, please move in my boss's life. And God comes along and says, you talk to him or her. God, please change my husband. You talk to him. God, please help me at school. It's you that I want to use. Hmm. Is God asking for you to get involved? And if he is asking for you to get involved, here is the big ask. Ready? Am I willing to give up what I want for what God wants? Now, you may not have wedding plans to give up, but what is it in your life that you already know you've got to give up in order to get involved in what God is doing? What is he, what is he asking for you to give up? What are the plans? What are the goals? What are the desires that you have to give up so that you can experience all that God has for you? What is it? 
I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm just going to, I'm going to take, a, take a, a risk and say, I believe that everyone in, the, in this room, every one of us in this room, we have something that God is asking us to give up. Something that God is saying, let go of so that I can do my thing in your life, so that you can get involved in what God is doing. And God is saying, are you willing to give it up? See, God calls you and me to trust him and to surrender. And no matter how crazy or confusing or disruptive it it, it is, what may appear for a few moments like our undoing can turn out to be the greatest thing that we've ever experienced in life because God is in it. And I believe that God has a purpose for me and I believe that God has a purpose for you. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, if you respond, if you choose to be involved, if you surrender. Would you bow your heads with me?